you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hey, this is Lou. Um, I was just halfway through your uh, episode with uh, Baker from today, and it made me think something. Um, He talked about the left, and I wonder, over time, have they not been minimizing their own base in a church standpoint by demonizing the left inside the church? I'm just curious about that because it, it seems like they are potentially making themselves smaller by making church a political platform rather than a spiritual one. Um, I'd really love if you could kind of touch on that and give some some depth on your thought. And um, just for the record, if uh, if your wife's cool with it, I'll snuggle with both of you and cuddle you both. Love you, man. Love you to death. I hope you have a great day. All right. I appreciate it. Uh, I will find out. We'll, we'll get back to you on that last part there. As far as Jim Baker targeting the left and getting into politics and things like that, you're right that to some degree it does isolate his listeners. It does isolate his, his fan base, his followers, his viewers. But it creates enthusiasm. This is, this is like a measurable effect in politics and religion and everything else that people try to get when you get emotional when you talk about how the left is destroying you and how you're suffering this persecution complex thing it generates enthusiasm from the people listening it generates sympathy and camaraderie loyalty that is why people talk about being persecuted by their enemies so yes jim baker talking about being persecuted like that and getting into politics more, it does kind of narrow his field a little bit more, but there is a specific subset of religion that has basically seamlessly integrated politics into it, and that's the crowd that Jim Baker kind of targets. So the enthusiasm factor will increase his donations dramatically. Say he has 300,000 listeners. I don't know that that's accurate. I'm just throwing out a number. Say he has 300,000 listeners. He starts getting really, really political and blaming the left for all of his problems. Now he has 200,000 listeners. But on average, instead of each listener donating $5, now that he's gone down to 200,000 listeners, each one is so emotionally invested in what's happening, trying to protect him and help him survive as a corporation, that now they're averaging $50 per donation just for those 200,000 people. The other 100,000 stopped donating and left. That is dramatically more money than he had before by like a, a, a wide margin. That is why he tries to build enthusiasm. That's why Trump wants to build enthusiasm. And that's how cults do it, too. Cults have always tried to build enthusiasm and be kind of totalitarian structures that control every aspect of your life so that they can manipulate you into being more enthusiastic than you otherwise would be. 
Tyler Cross, are you ever going to challenge the Majority Report on the cults? Probably not. For context, the Majority Report had somebody named Amanda Montel on their program to talk about cults. She was terribly wrong, in like every way. She contradicted the experts and the scientific papers on this subject non-stop. Basically, the entire book, Cultish, was wrong. After looking into her a little more, it turns out she isn't even a psychologist. She's a linguist. She shouldn't have overreached into the field of psychology. I was excited to hear what she had to say on the subject of cult language, but I couldn't even get past the first chapter of the book. I paid $30 for it, and it was a waste of my money. I couldn't even make it through the full interview. It was a constant stream of misinformation from beginning to end. I wish the majority report had vetted her a little bit more before bringing somebody on who knows so little about cults, but here we are. I tweeted at the majority report. If they respond, then they respond. I might debunk the book myself at some point. Anyways, back to the clip. That's a good question. I'm probably not going to. If other people want to, they're welcome to on my behalf. I posted a comment and it got downvoted and I got yelled at in their comments section so that I just don't think they're really that open to it. Maybe I'll send them an email or something. But I'm I'm very non-confrontational. I don't like calling people out, you know? I don't want to put this down on full display as a mistake that the majority report made right in front of them. Like they did make a mistake. They invited somebody on who is contradicting the science. That's wrong. But I don't want to shred them for it. I don't want to attack them for it. I don't want to talk shit about them and tear them down and all that stuff. That's just not who I am. I'm, I believe they have good intentions, the majority report, and I love their reporting. I love listening to their show. In fact, I've been listening to it a lot lately, but that one thing just really fucking got to me, man. It really got to me. Hey, Owen, there is one thing that just really bugs the living shit out of me that I wish that you would point out once in a while, is that you have these ministers, and they all have, a number of them always seem to have that painting of George Washington praying at, allegedly praying at Valley Forge. That painting is from 1975, painted by another religious nutcase. There is no proof or evidence anywhere that Washington ever knelt beside his damn horse and prayed in the goddamn snow. That is imagination just like Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, and Jesus. I appreciate it. It sounds like you're a little worked up there. I understand, 100%, absolutely understand how you feel, how, how pissed off that makes you feel, absolutely. But... FYI, that's propaganda. That's what it is. I actually wanted to uh, pull this up real quick out of curiosity because I've never even seen this picture before. I've never even heard of this picture. So let me see if I can find it. This is the picture. Uh, I, I've never seen this before. I hadn't even heard about it. But yeah, it doesn't surprise me to know that people are basically retroactively going back and trying to change history to be more religious than it is. They've done that since day one. And I absolutely understand your annoyance at that kind of thing. We do just have to call this shit out when we see it. We can't let people get away with rewriting history to be more favorable to what they want it to be rather than what it was. Hello, this is Scott from Georgia, and I just wanted to know, is it illegal to have a pastor come and talk to a religious club or sports program? That's a good question. Actually, I don't know. It, it's not illegal, I don't think, but it, it depends on the situation. I'm not a legal scholar or a lawyer or anything, so I'm not the person to ask. Don't take this as legal advice, but I believe based on just the, the rudimentary research that I've done, I think that it's okay to have 
a pastor there under certain conditions. For example, if the pastor is the leader of one of the clubs at school, then the pastor is allowed to be there. In Kylie's case, she actually, like when we lived in West Virginia, and she was in, I'm at, I don't know, maybe third or fourth grade, she came home with a, like, good news club flyer. It was like a bring your Bible to school day thing. They were trying to get kids to bring their Bibles to school. And I was fucking upset. So I did a little digging and found out that since it's a school-sponsored club, they're allowed to have the teachers pass out flyers for it at the end of the day if they want. Any school-sponsored club can do that. And anybody can be a club at the school, basically. They accept Satanists and atheists and evangelicals, religious wingnuts, right-wing extremists, left-wing extremists, everybody. They accept everybody. It's completely fair, or it's supposed to be, even if it isn't. That's the idea behind it. It's supposed to be fair. So if the pastor is, like, part of a school club, then that is legal. But I don't know your exact situation. There may be more information that I don't have that changes those premises, so you should look into it a little bit more for yourself. Hey, Owen. Uh, I'm Addison from Indiana. Uh, I was just wondering... What do you think the chances of Trump winning in 2024 are, uh, assuming he runs uh, for the Republicans? My my personal take on the matter, if I may. Um, before I get your personal take on it, I just wanted to give you my idea on this. I think it's very likely he's going to run. In fact, I would say 99% chance that he's going to run. And he will probably get the primary nomination like he'll he'll become the candidate for the general election i'm very sure certainly if he runs he will and if that happens democracy is in trouble again let me listen to your take on it my my personal take on the matter if i may share it real quick is that i think that current republicans are not challenging trump because his words right now will hold direct sway over our midterm election but I feel like after the midterms, he's going to diminish in power in the party, and we may not even see him run in 2024, or at least not make it past primaries. I don't know. That's just my take. Uh, what do you feel about his chances? I think if he was ever going to become irrelevant to the Republican Party, then it would have happened after the, the events of January 6th. I think if it was going to happen, it would have been then, and it wasn't. I think he's got some level of a stranglehold on the party forever. Until people realize that there are things more important than their political careers, like democracy. Liz Cheney, for example, Republican, has spoken out against Trump and largely been ostracized from the party as a result. She, I believe she, she was like removed from responsibilities or roles and committees and things like that. Um, they completely disrespected her. They don't listen to her anymore. They don't work with her anymore. It's pretty fucking sad. All because she said that Trump lost the election ultimately. That was like the catalyst that kind of started this ball rolling downhill. If it were going to happen, I think it would have been then, and it didn't work. So I think Trump probably has a grip on the Republican Party forever. I don't think the majority of senators and House members even like him or want him, but they love their political careers more than they want to call him out. And that's really 
at issue here. That's the problem. If they ever grow a pair, if you will, things will change. Until they do, Trump is the de facto leader because he's ready to go down with the ship. Trump is ready to do anything, literally anything, to get in power again, just for the sake of having it. He will burn any bridge. He will destroy democracy, destroy the fucking United States if he could, whatever it takes to take control. He will rule it or see it burned to ashes around him. I think that's his mindset. And that should be pretty fucking disturbing to everybody. This is Sarah from Denmark. When I was 10, I debated my mom on why I should get to read Harry Potter. I lost. No one ever asked me to say the prayers at dinner because even they knew I wouldn't. You know, I just had those early moments of kind of questioning the religion. So did you have any of those? Was there anything in the religion, even small, that didn't make sense to you or that caused you to question early on? Thanks. Bye. Interesting question. The answer to the question is no, not really. Uh, I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter either, and that did disappoint me to some degree, and I may have disagreed with my mom on this thing or that thing a little bit, but I blamed it on my mom or my dad, not on Jehovah's Witnesses. I was so completely, fully invested in the belief system that I was willing to believe literally anything. I would have been willing to believe anything that the Jehovah's Witnesses wanted me to. And that is fucking disturbing. There are people out there right now with that same headspace. I'm not 100% sure how we break through to these people to try to help them get find their way out. But we've got to do something, man, because that is unhealthy. Being willing to believe absolutely anything. I have an idea on how much to make these prophets lose all credibility in front of their audience, set up a James Randi experiment like how he showed psychics being frauds. I, that is a good idea, and we definitely should do that. But even if they did, they wouldn't lose credibility. I was just talking about this earlier on the pre-show. The Arizona audit finished, right? And they determined that Biden won. The people who were checking the paper for bamboo fibers, came to the realization that Biden won the county, period. Biden won. Fox News, of all people, reported that, that the audit concluded Biden won it. And so did Reuters and AP News and all of them. They all announced that Biden won because that's the results that the audit had. But guess who didn't accept that? Donald Trump. Donald Trump came out and said the audit results showed that I won. So I went in and I watched the entire three-hour presentation from the audit people, like from uh, Cyber Ninja, the company who did the audit, and from the senator and the president of whatever it was. I watched the entire fucking presentation. They obviously had a bias. It was clear they had a, a bias for Trump. But they did admit Biden won. They counted ballots that showed that Biden won, and they were legitimate ballots that they counted. So what can you what can you do? That is what it is. But the fact is, Trump lied about it. Now, did his reputation go down as a result of that lie? Of course not. People just believed it. People will believe anything if you're saying what they want to hear. Kent Hovind and Hank Kuhneman and all these other prophets... They're saying what people want to hear. They're going to believe them no matter how ridiculous it is. 
Next, we're going to talk about Hank Kuhneman's wife, who says churches are going to start ignoring the laws and get involved in politics anyways. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The first article I wanted to talk about is titled Preacher, Let's Endorse Candidates Since the Johnson Amendment Days Are Over. Now, I'm actually going to read some of this article, but before I do, I want to introduce you to who we're talking about in the first place. The person we're talking about is the woman you see on screen here. This woman's name is Brenda Kuhneman, wife of the famed... Hank Kuhneman. I've been talking about this guy, Hank Kuhneman, on my channel for a while. In fact, I just released a video about him recently, but it's his wife. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to introduce you to Hank, just give you a little bit of a refresher. I covered this video on my main channel, and uh, then we'll talk about his wife, Brenda. Check this video out. But watch, for you have heard the saying, flip flop. But I speak to you this day, Flop, flip. If you couldn't guess already, the guy is claiming to be giving the audience God's words. Basically writing a new book to the Bible, Kuhneman chapter 2 verse 8, that kind of thing. That's what he's doing right now. And if you notice, he's kind of wording it in like almost an old Englishy kind of way, right? But I speak to you this day. But I speak to you this day. Who the fuck says that in modern English today? That, that comes straight out of the Bible. That's the kind of shit that you would read in the Bible, is that type of verbiage. So anyways, the guy is not only using, like, biblical verbiage that you would find from, like, the King James Bible, for example, you know, like, 17th century kind of Old English style, but he's also using American modern idioms, like flip-flop and stuff. So, I don't know, it's just a complete train wreck of a mess. Like the time Joseph Smith claimed to be translating something that was supposedly written in like the year 500, but had 17th century styling on it, like 17th century English, old English, and had errors in it, like when he quoted the Bible, had errors from his version of the Bible, of the King James Version. The whole thing is ridiculous, and I guess these people probably don't realize how ridiculous they seem to us, but it's fucking absurd, man, really. It is so absurd. Anyway, let's keep listening to this guy talk about how he was actually right when he predicted that Donald Trump would win the 2020 election, and you guys are the ones that are wrong. You're the ones that are wrong. Check this out. Because the agenda of hell and those who have agreed and thought that they could steal this land through your election and steal the future from your children, it shall flop. And then, watch what shall arise. Whistleblowers after whistleblowers. They shall not only see that their agenda has flopped, they will begin to flip. And God says there will be a turning of my hand and a turning of their, of their mouths. 
and they will speak loudly and they will turn on one another and they will expose one another to save what they would think their own future. Watch for the great flip. And the Lord says, when you see this, it will flip in this nation too. This is just embarrassing. Uh, no joke. This is embarrassing. This is really cringy and hard to watch. But honestly, that's why I watch this kind of shit. It is so endlessly entertaining to watch people be cringy. I don't know why. Is that why you guys are here watching me? Anyway, so that's Hank Kuneman. Next, I wanted to read this article about Hank Kuneman's wife. This is Brenda Kuneman, and she had some interesting shit to say. And then we'll watch a couple of clips from her. This article is written by Hemant Mehta on the Friendly Atheist website, so let's give it a read. It can be easy to forget that Nebraska preacher and false prophet Hank Kuneman of One Voice Ministries, a Christian nationalist who's used his platform to promote conservative politicians, has a wife, Brenda, who's equally awful. And interestingly enough, Hank Kuneman is actually close friends with uh, Kenneth Copeland. They're kind of from the same ilk, if you will, the same group. Over the weekend, while hosting a conference full of conspiracists like Kat Kerr and Lance Wallnau, that guy is a humdinger, if you will, Brenda Kuneman told the crowd of pastors that they should ignore the still-legal Johnson Amendment and have no fear of endorsing candidates from the pulpit. In theory, that should result in their churches losing their tax-exempt statuses. But Kuneman knows the IRS isn't enforcing its own rule. All right, let's watch this clip of Brenda. There are actually two clips of Brenda Kuneman that I wanted to watch. One of them is directly about the Johnson Amendment, and another one is about Donald Trump. I'm not sure which one this is specifically, but they both came out around the same time, which is mid-September 2021. So check this clip out and see what she has to say. This nation was founded as a Christian nationalist form of government. Now, let me just pause there real quick. This country was not founded as a Christian nationalist form of government. In case you guys aren't aware, in case there's somebody out there who doesn't know, Christian nationalism is the belief that only Christians should exist within the bounds of this country. If you aren't a Christian, you should not be a citizen of the United States, basically. That is Christian nationalism. And it gets pretty crazy sometimes. I mean, Christian nationalists have some real-ass backwards beliefs. Some of them believe that we should go as far as exterminating anybody who isn't a Christian to get them out of the country. Not just deport, and not just imprison but exterminate i don't know where she falls on that spectrum but the fact that she's encouraging christian nationalism at all is fucking disturbing the founding fathers did not believe in a christian nationalist state that's why there are clauses for the separation of church and state in the constitution the establishment clause is what it's called that's why it's in there they didn't support that shit she's just making up her own facts now Kind of one of the hallmarks of the Republican Party at this immediate moment. Wasn't always like that in the Republican Party. It used to stand for things. Things I generally disagree with, but things that we can debate. Doesn't anymore. It's not like that anymore. This is the kind of shit you find in the Republican Party now. Completely unhinged from reality. Let's keep listening. Form of government built upon biblical... Judeo-Christian principles. Do you know the reason 
that churches are tax exempt in this country? Let me help you. They're tax exempt because our founders went to the book of Ezra and when they built the temple, Ezra 7, you can read it. When they built the temple, they came before the government and it was agreed by the government at the time, secular government. It was agreed upon that the temple should not be taxed. Does she have a citation for that or is she just pulling it straight out of her ass? That is inaccurate. If that's true, then why are mosques also tax exempt? If that's true, then why are Buddhist temples tax exempt? It is basically every religious organization that's tax exempt. She has a fundamental misunderstanding of how taxes work and we're gonna get to that in a second. Let's keep listening. And our founders said, we're not gonna tax churches we're going to allow them to be tax-free. People say, well, you shouldn't be afraid of the tax-exempt status. You know, most churches couldn't pay their mortgage if they had to pay a 20% corporate tax. That is inaccurate. That betrays a complete misunderstanding of how tax exemption works. In fact, not only that, it betrays a complete misunderstanding of how taxes work. Let me tell you how my company works, okay? I have this Etsy shop that I run and the Etsy shop generates somewhere around $30,000 a year, but I spend about $20,000 a year running it on rent and the water bill and trash and paying my employees to like print the stuff and maintain the printers and put the vinyl on the front of the stands and box them up and ship them. All of that shit costs money. So I'm bringing in 30,000 a year and putting out 20,000 a year to pay for all of that stuff, filament and replacement parts and all of that, right? How much of that do you think gets taxed? $10,000 gets taxed. I make 30,000. I get taxed for 10,000. It's because I'm not taxed for the money that I'm putting back into the company to run it. That is how Amazon and Google and all of these other companies come out paying zero dollars in taxes every year. The government only taxes you for profits, not for net revenue. And we can debate whether or not that's right. I think that's probably the right thing to do, but there are economists out there who would have better insight into it. So this woman says, if churches were taxed like corporations, they wouldn't be able to pay their mortgage. First of all, corporations aren't charged like that. Second of all, their mortgage is untaxed by default. If they're paying a mortgage, they're not paying tax on that. That just comes right off the top before tax comes out. That is how it works. I guess you could say that's kind of the nature of propaganda. I, I doubt she didn't realize that. You know what's even more disgusting about churches to me and, and their tax-exempt status? As a church, they actually have special rules. Normal nonprofits, even though they don't pay taxes, they still have to file a report of what they did with their money, basically, to make sure that it's going into charitable things or paying employees or whatever else. They don't have to pay taxes on it if they qualify for nonprofit status, but they still have to file a report. And I believe that report is public. Guess what? Churches don't. 
In, in most circumstances, churches don't have to submit that annual report. They don't have to say a fucking word about where their money goes. And that is why you find all these televangelists living in million-dollar homes. The church can put any amount of money on their tab. They can buy anything for anybody, and nobody will ever know that it came from the church because they're not obligated to report it. That is a massive fucking problem to me. And that is one of the things that these churches are trying desperately to avoid. A lot of the time, they're spending massive amounts of money on, like, the pastors and the people who own the church and all that stuff. They're just blowing their own money on it so they don't have to pay taxes on that money. And they don't have to report anything at all. That's fucking disgusting, dude. I have to pay for the U.S. government to hire a drone pilot to kill innocent people, then they should have to pay for that shit, too. I don't like that any more than anybody else, but here we are. I like to think my tax money goes toward UN aid helping people in poor countries get education. I like to think that's what it's going toward. Who fucking knows where my tax money's actually going? Anyway, let's keep listening. There are churches in inner cities, places where they're feeding poor people. They don't, they're not rolling in money. If these churches aren't rolling in money and barely surviving in all of that stuff, they can pay their pastor, they can pay their mortgage, they can pay their water bill and their electric bill and their every other bill in the world. They can pay all of it tax-free as a normal corporation, tax-free. They don't start paying taxes until they start saving money. If they have money in the bank that isn't going toward running the establishment, that's the money that gets taxed. That's how this works fundamental misunderstanding of how taxing works. And if they had to pay and be slapped with a corporate tax, most of them couldn't survive. The tax exemption was made so that by our founders that crafted this nation, it was not until LBJ came along with an evil agenda, by the way, Interesting she picked LBJ to demonize. Do you know the big thing that Lyndon B. Johnson is famous for? Lyndon B. Johnson was John F. Kennedy's vice president. Kennedy was elected in 1960, okay? And shortly thereafter, he was assassinated. And then Lyndon B. Johnson became the president. And you know the, the biggest thing that he's famous for? The Civil Rights Act. He's famous for having pushed through equality acts, trying to end segregation and reintegrate people. That's what he's famous for, Lyndon B. Johnson. So I find it fascinating that she fucking hates the guy. Isn't that weird? What did this guy do to upset her so much? Was it the one thing that he was really famous for? Evil agenda, by the way, okay? And I could say a whole lot about that man, but he was driven by a principality of the powers of wickedness in this generation. I'm so fascinated by the fact that she's demonizing the guy whose one claim to fame was passing an act that furthered equality between blacks and whites. Fascinated by that. Part of the reason we have people in poverty, we have people living on welfare is because of policies that man enacted. It was his agenda to keep people poor and dependent on the government. I have no idea what 
like motivation he would have to keep people poor and dependent on the government uh, that that just doesn't add up like the three things in a court case you have to prove are means motive and opportunity right you want to prove that there was some kind of a motivation well he certainly had the means he was the president what motive did he have really what motive was there to keep people poor and dependent on the government is this just more conspiracy shit? I don't know. So the Johnson Amendment came along to say, well, if they want to keep tax-exempt status, then they're going to have to keep their voice out of the political sphere. No, that's not what the Johnson Amendment says, actually. I'll tell you what the Johnson Amendment says. The Johnson Amendment is a part of U.S. tax code. The tax code is 501c3, and here's what it says at the bottom. This is the Johnson Amendment, okay? No part of the net earnings of which inures to the benefit of any private shareholder or individual no substantial part of the activities of which carrying on propaganda or otherwise attempting to influence legislation except as otherwise provided in subsection h and which does not participate in or intervene in including the publishing or distributing of statements any political campaign on behalf of or in opposition to any candidate for public office that's the rule if you have 501c3 status as a nonprofit organization, which churches have, that's the thing that grants them tax exemption, then you can't legally take a side on any political campaign or in opposition to any specific candidate. So they can talk about religious issues. They can talk about being pro-life. They can talk about being, um, I don't know, what, what other shit do churches talk about that's super political shit I'm suddenly blanking this is literally my job and i can't think of a single other thing that churches talk about that's political they can talk about being pro-life or whatever else they want those political issues are okay and legal endorsing the political candidates specifically is banned robert jeffress pastor robert jeffress actually endorsed mike pence for 2024, not, you know, a couple years ago, I think when Trump was still president. And he actually got in a little bit of trouble over it. And here we have Larry Elder being endorsed by Pastor Jack Hibbs. He held a campaign rally at Pastor Jack Hibbs's church and even collected donations for his campaign publicly at the end. That is as clear a violation of the Johnson Amendment as I have ever seen in my life. You know, the IRS isn't enforcing the Johnson Amendment right now, but they could at any moment. I don't know why she would even want to take that risk, honestly. They're not going to be allowed to put any of their money to endorse anything political. They can say who they personally pastors endorse, which, by the way, they have threatened that Johnson Amendment so poorly, so much, so bad, that it has pushed pastors into a corner that even the Johnson Amendment didn't even call for. Okay, so it hasn't pushed pastors into any corners. Literally, all you, the only rule you have to follow is don't endorse any political candidate and don't oppose any political candidate. You are perfectly free to talk about any political issue that you want. This is all just per, part of the persecution complex. Once again, it builds camaraderie and loyalty and enthusiasm. That is why they do it. That is why they want to feel persecuted. Because people are terrified that they'll get an audit by the IRS for daring to 
touch anything in the pulpit. And I'm just going to say those days are over. It's over. Okay, interesting. Uh, those days are not actually over. The Johnson Amendment does still exist. If she's going to start breaking the law, it's possible the IRS won't go after her. That's a possibility. But, um, you know, they might. That's a possibility, too. And I would love to see it. I would absolutely love to see the IRS go after people for this. They need to. It's wrong that they're violating our legal statutes and getting away with it. That is morally wrong. Anyways, there's a second clip from Brenda Kuhneman I wanted to watch, so check this one out. It's not just a political thing. I hear people say, oh, you guys are just whole, propping up a person and Trump and all of that. And I'm like, no, we're propping up what what he has stood for. Okay, so what she said there, you're propping up a person in Trump. I think what she's saying is people are kind of upset that they're like so obsessive over Trump. They're, they're treating him like a new messiah and people recognize that. They're seeing that. And they're saying you're propping up a person when we should be talking about Jesus. So she, I guess she's responding to that criticism right now is what she's doing. And I'm like, no, we're propping up what, what he has sta stood for. We're, we're get, just simply getting behind what a man chose to stand for. We have a, a president, a real president, who has stood more for the body of Christ and his church to be liberated. In my lifetime, he's the only president that even dared challenge the lying Johnson Amendment that intimidated pastors behind their pulpit. Again with the Johnson Amendment, like she is obsessed with Trump to a genuinely unhealthy degree like genuinely unhealthy degree the guy wasn't even that pro-church trump was like quoted as saying evangelicals are just suckers or something like that wasn't he let me see if i can find the quote i quoted it in an, a podcast episode a while back yeah 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 here you go this is it take this with a grain of salt because it's michael cohen who said it and you know michael cohen is mostly trustworthy, I guess, on some things or whatever. Anyways, here's what he said. In Disloyal, published today, at the time this article came out anyways, Cohen shows how Trump is a master deceiver. He quotes Trump calling Christianity and its religious practices bullshit, then soon after masterfully posing as a fervent believer. In truth, Cohen writes, Trump's religion is unbridled lust for money and power at any cost to others. Cohen's insider stories add significant depth to my own documentation of Trump's repeated and public denouncements of Christians as fools, idiots, and schmucks. This is written on Salon.com. Again, just like Cohen, uh, you know, mostly trustworthy, I guess, or whatever. This is written by David K. Johnston, if you're curious. The title is What He Really Thinks, Trump Mocks Christians, Calls Them Fools and Schmucks. Uh, you can look it up for yourself. Just Google the title. It should come right up for you. But the point is... Trump's loyalty to the evangelical base is questionable, is questionable at best. Trump didn't even like, I, sure, he came out and supported the evangelicals, but it seemed to me like his main focus was courting the hard right extremists, like deep south extremists, and the people who were sick of cancel culture, quote unquote, and stuff like that. He really didn't court the evangelicals that much, at least not until he realized he, they were a gigantic voting block for him. So I'm really not sure why she's so obsessive with Trump and, and, and believes the guy is like this evangelical hero.
I didn't get that impression at all from Trump. That intimidated pastors behind their pulpit. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot. One more thing Trump did do. He talked shit about the Johnson Amendment. That is true, what she's saying here. I totally forgot he did that. The lying Johnson Amendment that intimidated pastors behind their pulpit. And I'm just here to prophesy in this room and to everybody that's watching, those days are over. We're not gonna be intimidated. I don't care what they said about what amendment. We're not gonna be intimidated. We are gonna do what God has called us to do. And we had a president, we have, still have the real president that stood with Israel. Genesis 12, we know the scripture. If you stand with Israel and bless Israel, God said, I'll bless you. Isn't that fascinating? Right out there in the open. This is why they support Israel right here. Because Israel has to exist as a country before the rapture can take place. If Israel doesn't exist as a country, the rapture can't happen. There's a silver lining behind every mushroom cloud. That's their philosophy. That's fucking disturbing. So if you think that we're going to just sweep that under the carpet and pretend the fraud didn't happen, in fact, Hank and I, man, we locked arms and we made a decision a long time ago, Mary. We said we are going to throw in the fight. We will not stop talking about fraud. We're Tell you what, if there's fraud, prove it. All you've done is engaged in conspiracy theory. That's it. Nothing more. If there's fraud, show me evidence. I want it. Give it to me. If you're right, I want to be right too. That's the way I view it. Please, give me the evidence. I'm waiting. I've been waiting for a year. I've been waiting since the moment it was claimed in early November. Give me the evidence. I'm not going to stop talking about the lies. I don't care what they write in the newspaper. We're not stopping because the truth of God must be heralded from the mountaintops. It must be spoken on the airwaves. And I don't care what they write in CNN. Oh, she's getting upset. I don't care what they put in Newsweek. Let them write it all day long. The Bible said no weapon formed against you can prosper. Is this disturbing to anybody else? Is it just me? Is this like, are your eyes also popping out of your fucking head right now? This is fucking scary that these people live in such complete delusion. They are not connected to reality anymore. We live in separate fucking universes at this point. How did they get here? This woman is completely losing her shit right now. And look, there's a fucking crowd cheering for this shit. I don't care what they put in Newsweek. Let them write it all day long. The Bible said no weapon formed against you can prosper. The Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper. I mean, that is just inaccurate on its face. I don't even need to get into that. Anyways, let's read the article that Hemant, uh, that Hemant Mehta wrote about this. This is Hemant Mehta speaking. She added that no one should worry because the nation was founded as a Christian nationalist form of government. That's a lie, obviously. Any historian who didn't get their degree from a Christian diploma mill could tell you that the founders kept religion and politics separate for good reason, and nothing Kuhneman is saying would be recognizable to him. More to the point, though, churches are still allowed to be political in the same way other issue-focused nonprofit groups are. Churches can preach their values without putting their tax exemption in jeopardy. What they can't do is tell people how to vote. That rule applies to Planned Parenthood and the NRA just as it does to churches, but Kuhneman acts like it's some kind of anti-Christian thing. It's not. 
She's just ignorant. I think it's fascinating that that Hemet Mehta used the word ignorant here. Generally speaking, I believe in not assuming intentions. That's what I believe in. I don't believe that assuming people's intentions or assuming that they actually know what they're talking about when they seem not to, I don't think that's a fair way of addressing this. We honestly have no way of knowing what's in her head. Just like Hemant Mehta is saying, it's best to assume she's just uninformed on these things. But every now and then I come across somebody who I think knows. Like Ben Shapiro? Dude went to law school. Got an absurdly high score on his LSAT, if he is to be believed about that. Like a 170 or some shit. Like one of the highest scores you can get. Or 180 or something like that. And he's out here peddling these absolutely ridiculous arguments. Like, absolutely absurd. They don't even make logical sense. And this guy went to school for three years to learn how to think logically. Sometimes I wonder if Ben Shapiro really does know that he's full of shit and is doing it for some other reason. And I wonder something similar about Brenda Kuhneman here. She runs a business. Or her husband does anyways. How could she not understand the very basics of how taxes work? The basics! This is basic shit that any business owner should know. And if they don't know it, they'll be informed by the IRS when tax time comes. The IRS will make sure you understand. Although in fairness, you know, she does have a tax-exempt organization, so maybe she doesn't understand this. I guess that's a possibility. Like I said, we don't know what's in her head. I guess it's just safest to assume that she's ignorant of these issues. It's safest to assume she doesn't know. Get, be charitable. If you're charitable toward people and they still come out of it looking like fools like Brenda here does, so much the better. If somebody comes across this video and sees me being charitable, they may be a little bit, just that much more likely to move over to my side, away from her side. Next, we're gonna talk about Kent Hovind finally being sentenced to jail and restitution after attacking his girlfriend. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next article I wanted to talk about is titled Creationist Kent Hovind Sentenced to 30 Days in Jail for Domestic Violence. This is written by Hemant Mehta on the Friendly Atheist website. Before I read the article, though, I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of a recap. Not long ago, I talked about this situation. I talked about Kent Hovind basically being charged with like a DV thing, being accused of body slamming his ex-girlfriend at the time. Uh, this was like six months ago when this took place, I think. I think he was charged with Assault 3. We're going to take a look at the court documents in a minute, and we'll be able to figure out exactly what it was. We'll get to it in a second. But he was charged with, I believe, Assault 3, and he turned himself in when that took place, paid his bail of, I think, $100. His bail was actually set to 1000 and the way the court system works is you have to come up with 10% of that in cash or 
you have to come up, you have to put like your house up, a piece of property that's worth $1,000. So he paid $100 cash, and if he comes back to court on time, when he's supposed to, he gets that $100 back. That's how bounty hunting works. So a bounty hunter, for example, your bail is set to $100,000. A bounty hunter will come in, pay 10% in cash, which is 10 grand. You pay the bounty hunter $10,000 to get you out. And you can do it on a payment plan or you can do it later or whatever. And then when you come back to court, the bounty hunter gets that 10 grand back from the court. So they net ten thousand dollars total if they had nothing to do with your case they just go in and ask the courts for like a list of people who never turned up to court and they go track them down bring them in and they get the money that they put up for bail that's how bounty hunting works so anyways in kent hoven's case it wasn't a hundred thousand dollars it was a thousand so he only had to pay ten percent of that which is a hundred i didn't really want to talk about this when it happened because there were no like there was no real information it was only charges it wasn't convictions and i didn't feel like it was right to talk about this until there was a conviction well now there's a conviction at the time i felt like it was a he said she said situation and we had no way of really knowing which one was true or what happened because we weren't in the room and it was a personal issue and I wasn't going to address it until something changed on this issue. Well, here we are. It's changed. He's been convicted. I think he took a plea bargain, which basically means he did. He just wanted to skip the trial and he wanted to do his time, pay his fine, and move on with his life. That's my guess. I think it was a plea bargain because trials usually take a whole lot longer to get to. With all that being said, let's take a look at the article, see what Hemant Mehta had to say about this, and then we'll take a look at the actual documents. I mentioned last month that creationist Kent Hovind had been accused of body slamming his ex-girlfriend and spiritual only third wife. We knew that because Cindy Lincoln, which is the person who filed the charges, had filed for an order of protection against Hovind in an Alabama county court in which she laid out the details of what happened. It didn't help that Hovind recorded that the incident, presumably thinking it would make him look good. It did not. That recording is extremely disturbing to hear. I listened to the recording. It doesn't exonerate him, but it doesn't implicate him either. You can't really tell anything based on that recording. He's not innocent or guilty based on what you heard. You're just disturbed by it, and that's it. It's just like mid-fight he started recording and she was like screaming at him and stuff. I don't even know why he, re he released it. Anyway, let's keep reading. Around that time, we also learned that, that Hovind had been arrested on charges of domestic violence in the third degree. There you go. That's what I was talking about earlier. The affidavit, dated July 19th, said Hovind injured Lincoln by throwing her to the ground. So here's the affidavit document that they're talking about here. Affidavit and warrant, state of Alabama, in the district court of... Conica County, Alabama. Before me, a magistrate of said county personally appeared this day, Cindy Lincoln, and made an oath that he has probable cause for believing and does believe that before the filing of this complaint, Kent Hovind, whose name is otherwise unknown to the, to the affiant, did commit the crime of assault third pursuant to section 13A622 of the Code of Alabama to wit, 
did with intent to cause physical injury to another person cause physical injury to Cindy Lincoln by throwing her to the ground while the victim is a current or former spouse, parent, child, or any other person with whom the defendant has a child in common, a present or former household member, or a person who has or had a dating or engagement relationship with the defendant, to wit, spouse, in violation of Section 13A6132 of the Code of Alabama and against the peace and dignity of the state of Alabama. Signed, Cindy Lincoln, July 19th. So that's the affidavit they signed, basically. Uh, There's another document that I wanted to look at. This is the actual order. This is like the the result of the hearing and everything. In the District Court of Conica County, Alabama, State of Alabama v. Hovind Kent, defendant. The above-styled matter having come before the court for trial, and the defendant having appeared in court with his attorney, C. Daniel White, and the court having taken the matter under advisement, it is hereby ordered and adjudged that defendant is found guilty and sentenced as follows. Fine of $500, which is taxed. By the way, out of curiosity, I looked up the maximum for this charge, assault in the third degree. He got the maximum fine you can get. No more than $500. In my opinion, I don't think fines should exist. I think it should be mandatory community service. They can just convert it to minimum wage, basically. So $500 paid at $7.25 an hour means you get 68 hours of community service. I think that'd be a fantastic way to not punish the poor for being poor and not allow the rich to get out of things by just writing a check. So he got a fine of $500. Court costs are hereby taxed, along with a $100 bail bond fee. Payment is due on or before October 18th, 2021. If defendant fails to pay this amount in full by this date, he shall appear in court on said date at 9 a.m. to show cause, if any, why he shouldn't be held in contempt of court. Defendant is sentenced to one year in jail. The defendant shall serve 30 days in county jail and the balance shall be suspended. The defendant shall report to the county jail on or before October 18th, 2021. Defendant is placed on one year unsupervised probation. So basically, I'm not sure why they picked October 18th for him to start all of this, but all of this really started originally. Look, this affidavit was signed on July 19th and he's supposed to appear October 18th. So that's three months after the affidavit was signed, basically. I'm not sure if they're connected in some way, but it seems like they probably are. Basically 90 days after the affidavit was signed. That's when he's supposed to appear to go to jail for 30 days. Now, as far as the sentence goes, as I said, he had to pay the maximum fine. He also had to pay restitution. It says defendant shall pay restitution to the victim in the amount of $2,124.72 for medical expenses incurred and paid by her. So she went to the hospital after all this took place, and her she he's paying her hospital bills of $2,100 also. That's fair, uh, in my opinion. So he has to pay her medical bills, he has to pay the $500 fine, and he's going to jail for one year, except he's only staying in for 30 days. The remainder of the year can be spent on unsupervised probation. Now, as far as the fairness of this goes, they didn't really go easy on him exactly. He still spent the the maximum amount of time on paper, and he spent the maximum amount in fines. So he didn't get out easy exactly. I'm surprised he's spending any time in jail. 
at all. I've been through the court system before. I didn't spend a, a second in jail, surprisingly. And, and my charge was way more involved than this one. For the record, I don't want to tell anybody my exact criminal like offense or whatever because it would be easier to, I don't know, get information on me or whatever. But I'll, I'll give you guys this information. It's basically when I was an addict, I was trying desperately any way I could to find money. And I found money in a less than legal way. Guess I'll say that. I stole some shit. I'll go that far. I stole some shit. Obviously, I'm a completely different person now than I was when I was an addict. And I'm honestly horrified at who I used to be. But uh, like I said, I, that's the moment that I got my head straight. I got clean, and I'm now a tax-paying member of society. So in my original plea agreement, basically... The charge was, it was a 1 to 10 sentence, a felony for mine. They said if I paid $5,000 in the next 12 months, they would basically just expunge the whole thing from my record. And that's what I did. I managed to pay $5,000 by going to college and getting student loans. And I took the student loans and paid on that $5,000 every time I got the loans until it was all paid off. And then they just erased it. It fucking sucked to be on paper though. People showing up and searching your house anytime they want, throwing shit around. If they don't like you, then they'll pull books out of the bookshelf and leave them on the floor. They don't even give a shit. Anyways, that should be enough information for to satiate you guys' curiosity. I just don't want to give you the exact charge because it would be harder to hide where I live or, or whatever else if I did. This is a misdemeanor. Mine was not. I didn't spend a day in jail. This guy is spending 30 days in jail. You guys have probably never been to jail, but, or many of you haven't, but it will change you. Jail is not a good place. It's a horrific, dark place that really fucks you up. My uh, ex-brother-in-law, Kylie's mom's brother, Kylie's uncle on her mom's side, spent four years in jail when I was close to him. I knew him. He was in there for four years. When he got out, he used to keep food in his dresser because he was used to having commissary there. He didn't want to be around other people. He used to just want to stay in this little tiny room alone. When you're in jail, you get zero privacy. And, you know, everybody knows that. You know, you got a cellmate that's with you all the time. You don't understand. You have to piss and shit in front of this person. You have to change your clothes in front of this person. You're no longer human when you're in jail. You're no longer human. You're an object, basically, when you're in prison. You're an object who will do what it's told when it's told. No questions asked. And in fact, you are a slave. You are actually, literally, definitionally, a slave in prison. That will fuck you up, too. If you are told to do a job, then you do that job, and you don't get paid. You don't have to be paid anything at all. Nothing. You don't have to be paid shit for doing that work. And that's where California gets a lot of its firefighters when they are out there putting out the fires. It's wrong. It is so fucking wrong how people treat prisoners. So anyways, I've been in trouble. More trouble than Kent. Was not a violent offense. Mine wasn't, though. And that's how I just got it completely removed from my record because I did my time on paper. I paid my fines, I paid my bills, I talked to my probation officer, I did what I was supposed to do, and followed all the rules, and met with them when they wanted to meet, and opened the door when they wanted to search my house, 
passed the drug tests and moved on with my life and I got it expunged. It was not a fun time in my life, but that's the price that I pay for living in poverty and living the hard life that I had lived at that point. Point here is my charge was more serious than Kent's, even though it wasn't a violent crime. And he's still spending time in jail. That surprises the holy hell out of me. Why is he spending time in jail? Very surprised by that. My guess is that he was willing to do that for a so that he could be on unsupervised probation because he's already used to being in jail. He was in jail for like eight fucking years or some shit. He probably knows the ropes. He's probably had to shit and piss in front of a cellmate before. He's already been a slave before. He knows what it's like, and it's okay. If he can be on unsupervised probation, that's fine with him. But guess what happens when you go to jail? You lose everything. You lose everything. I can't overstate this. Imagine you are arrested tomorrow, and you have to spend the next month in there. No communication with family members, no communication with basically anybody. And if, if they do communicate, then they're paying like a massive amount of money for it for every single phone call. You'd lose your job, you'd lose everything. It's not good. I, I'm not in favor of Kent here. I'm not his cheerleader. I, he deserves this. If he really did do this, which it looks like he did, he deserves it. I'm glad he's going to jail. I'm just advocating for prisoners' rights more generally, not just for Kent. Anyways, let's continue with the article and uh, see what Hemet Mehta had to say about it. Hoven paid a $1,000 bond and was back at Dinosaur Adventureland to record new live streams. Without telling his audience about his own situation, he urged viewers to remember that everyone is innocent until proven guilty. Funny thing about that, the line only works until you're proven guilty. On Tuesday, a judge ruled that Hovind is guilty. Longtime Hovind watchdog and former IRS appeals officer Robert Beatty got his hands on the relevant documents. Here's the bottom line. Hovind was sentenced to one year in jail, but the judge will let him serve 30 days in a county jail beginning on October 18th at the latest, while being placed on a one-year unsupervised probation. Hovind also has to pay $500 fine, court costs, $100 bail bond fee, and restitution of $2,000. Hovind is forbidden from having any contact with Lincoln or coming within 500 feet of her. I'm okay with that. That's that. All of this is fine with me. Hovind must surrender all his firearms to the Conica County Sheriff's Office. I'm even more fine with that. Absolutely love it. Big fan of that rule right now. I repeat, Kent Hovind is going to jail for physically assaulting his ex-girlfriend. It's not his first time behind bars, and it's not even close to the first time he's been in trouble with the law. Interestingly enough, during Hovind's livestream on Wednesday night, he didn't mention anything about his predicament to his viewers. Why does all this matter? As I've said before, Hovind has clout among creationists and spends part of each day dissecting Bible verses on his YouTube channel while trying to brainwash people at his dinosaur adventure land. He wants you to think that Christianity and purity and goodness and scientific integrity are all linked together. Yet he's also a domestic abuser who will serve jail time for his crimes, and that should be brought up whenever his name pops up. Yeah, I guess I agree with that. Um, originally, I didn't want to go down this road because nothing was really proven. I mean, Hovind has a point here. You are innocent until proven guilty, but he's been proven guilty by a court of law. I mean, here we are, so what else can you say, you know? I don't like d dragging people through the mud or anything like that, but I feel like this should be on record. I, I feel like people should know about this. Respect for being honest about your past, yeah. I've had a pretty hard fucking life, man. 
pretty hard fucking life. But here I am. My life is not as hard as it used to be, and that is the... It's a direct result of me getting clean. Next, we're going to talk about Greg Locke going full conspiracy theorist on Hillary Clinton. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media. Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next story I wanted to talk about is about Greg Locke. So he's had some really strange shit to say lately, as he usually does, but he just released a a flurry of new clips, if you will, in mid-September 2021. So I wanted to take a look at some of them and see what he had to say. Let's watch the first one. Let me tell you something. You hear me? You hear me well. If you have any affiliation with a Masonic Lodge whatsoever, you better break that wicked, demonic nonsense out of your life. What? Is he buying into the whole Freemasons are like the Illuminati and they're like leading like a new world order or some shit? Is he actually buying into this? Of course he is. It's Greg Locke. Is anybody really surprised that he would buy into this conspiracy theory? I don't care if you stand. I don't care if you clap. I don't care if you throw maters and taters. I don't need your stupid. What is a mater? You can throw maters and taters. Interesting. Well, I'm glad to know people can throw maters and taters at his church. This is new information to me. I don't care if you throw maters and taters. I don't need your stupid secret handshake. I don't need you putting your hand inside your coat when you pledge allegiance. I'll call you out. Lickety split. Oh my god, this dude is really buying this. This guy really believes that, like, the Freemasons are, like, some tiny organization that controls the world or some shit. And they have, like, all this secret shit. What is going on in this guy's head? I knew he had some strange ideas before this. This isn't even his strangest idea. And we've got some more to take a look at in a second. But this should tell you where this guy's head is at. He believes in the whole Illuminati New World Order conspiracy. The whole nine yards. He buys it all. Look at I'm telling you, the Masonic Lodge is Illuminati, godless, wicked organization that has nothing to do with Jesus whatsoever. I don't care what your granddaddy told you. There's just certain things in the Lodge we can't share our secrets. We ain't got no secrets, praise God. And, and I'm going to tell you why I say that. Some of you need to go home. And I don't care if your granddaddy's great-granddaddy, great-granddaddy, great-great-great-granddaddy was on the ark with Noah. You need to get rid of that Masonic Bible that you've got in your living room because that thing's got demonic spirits attached to it. And you ought to get rid of it and burn it in the name of God. I don't care if you clap or not. It's a sexually perverted, explicit, vile cult is exactly what the Masonic Lodge is. Oh, now we're in my territory. It's a cult, huh? That's a possibility. That could be. I haven't looked into it enough to know for sure. But I'll tell you one thing for certain, Greg Locke doesn't know enough about cults or the Masonic Temple to be able to say if it's a cult or not either. I find it so interesting that this guy is going after the Freemasons, though, of all people. The Illuminati conspiracy theory is old as time. Why am I surprised that this guy believes the Illuminati conspiracy theory? In reality, I'm not actually that surprised, Um, and let me tell you why. Check this shit out. This is a, a, a little bit of an older 
clip from Greg Locke. Give this a look. I'm here to tell you, there's a group of elitists that run this nation, a group of globalists that run the world, and their money runs it. And I'm going to tell you something. It is nothing more than a satanic death cult. And the clearest thing I've ever seen in my life is when Mitch McConnell gets off track, he turns around, and the guy behind him gives him the Illuminati hand signal of authoritarianism to make sure he stays on track. Just remind that sucker, we're still in control, we're still paying your bills, and you do anything against what we say, and we'll make sure nobody finds your body, Jimmy Hoffa. This guy is straight up disconnected from reality. There, There is no connection to reality for him anymore. By the way, that was uh, early January 2021, I believe, is when that clip came out. The guy is willing to believe just about anything. And you know why he's willing to believe just about anything? I'll tell you. He, he tells us why in his own words. I'm dumber than a box of rocks in a lot of areas. There you go. I don't like insulting people. I don't do it. I don't do it. And if I ever do, then I cut it out. Um, and yeah, I get it. That was probably kind of insulting people a little bit just now. I'm leaving that one in, the final clip, because he said it himself. Anyways, so that's this weird, bizarre little rant about the, the Illuminati. But there's another clip that I wanted to watch. This one came out mid-September 2021. So give this one a watch and see what he has to say. Some of the most well-known, corrupted, evil politicians you know are full-blown devil worshippers. I've seen videos that make you sick. Before we move forward, l listen to what he says here. I've seen videos that make you sick. Let me tell you what he's referencing there. QAnon, uh, of which he's a member, he is a QAnoner, QAnon made some claims forever ago that when they arrested Anthony Weiner, an old Democratic senator, I think senator, maybe House member, they arrested him for sending inappropriate pictures to minors. And it was right that they arrested him for that. I'm glad that he was arrested and, and saw justice for that. But he was married to somebody named Huma Abedin. Now, there's a claim that on Anthony Weiner's laptop that they found when they arrested him, they found video of Huma Abedin with Hillary Clinton, trying to think about how to word this, taking somebody out, a kid, sitting in a chair, hurting them and stuff. I don't know how else to say it and also stay on YouTube. It was very, very explicit and vividly described. It was bullshit from beginning to end. The video didn't exist. There's no evidence of this. They just made this shit up whole cloth as they do. That is the basis of a lot of QAnon conspiracy theories. And that's what Greg Locke is talking about when he said, I've seen videos that make you sick. That's what he's referencing, is that video, that supposed video. He didn't see shit because it doesn't exist. But he's talking about that, the basis for all QAnon conspiracy theories, basically. And the basis for the hate for Hillary Clinton. They seem to believe that she's part of this satanic church, She's a high priestess in the church, which we'll get to that in a minute, too. Of course, she's not. But they believe that in Satanism, they basically have to drink the blood of kids. But the kid has to be, like, really, really scared, so adrenaline is pumping through their veins. And that when they drink it, they're basically getting adrenochrome, is what they call it. This whole thing is made up from beginning to end, by the way. All of it. Basically, Hillary Clinton supposedly hurts them to get their adrenaline pumping, and then drinks their blood. Like I said, it's a QAnon conspiracy theory. Did anybody really expect there to be evidence for anything like this? 
that is what he is talking about. He thinks that they're sacrificing children on an altar, basically, to Satan and then drinking their blood. That's what Greg Locke believes as a QAnoner. Let's keep listening. You know how none of these people that say stuff like this ever get sued? Because they don't want discovery. When I tell you that Hillary Clinton is a high priestess in the satanic church, I wish to God she'd sue me over it. No, you know what would happen? He would get a ton of publicity. That's what would happen. If Hillary Clinton sued him over this, he'd get a ton of publicity. And defamation and libel and slander are really, really hard to prove anyways. You have the burden of proof if you're suing somebody. You have to prove to the court that they did this and they knowingly lied about it. They knew that they were not telling the truth and they said it anyways. That's the burden on the other person in the lawsuit. That's why Hillary Clinton doesn't sue him. That's why nobody does any of these libel or slander lawsuits. It's really very rare. And not only that, you have to prove damages. You have to prove that you suffered financial damages or some other tangible damage in some way as a result of what they said or did. That's why they're not suing him. Just because we have a really, really difficult uphill battle if we want to win a slanderer or libel or defamation suit. I've seen the video footage. No, he hasn't. You know why I say that? It's fake. It's a made-up claim. It doesn't exist. He hasn't seen that video because it doesn't exist. Unless somebody made a fake one, a deep fake or something of this. That woman worships the devil 1,000%. People are like, well, you ought to pray for her. She's been turned over to a reprobate mind. I'm telling you, Satanism has infiltrated politics in America. It has infiltrated politics in America. What is he even talking about? Satanism has infiltrated politics? Like, this is so completely nonsensical. I'm, I'm trying to piece it together like a fucking puzzle. To all this all this comes from, they gotta have a supply and demand. Okay, that, that's not a part of Satanism. Interestingly enough, I found this clip of Greg Locke originally on Right Wing Watch's Twitter account, right? And it's titled, Radical Right Wing Pastor Greg Locke claims to have seen videos proving that Hillary Clinton is a high priestess in the Satanic Church and challenges her to sue him for saying so, right? And if you just scroll down a little bit, We've got the Church of Satan here in the comments section. How about that shit? What's the Church of Satan have to say? We'd love to see those videos, seeing as we only have one high priestess at a time, and the position has never been held by Hillary Clinton. That's funny. Church of Satan is pretty funny sometimes. They have some pretty on-point tweets. Anyway, they got a good social media campaign going there. I love the Church of Satan sometimes. It's hilarious. So right there, boom. You're claiming that the Church of Satan... Is, has infiltrated politics, has Hillary Clinton as, like, a high priestess, disproved. Boom. You changed your mind yet, Greg Locke? And there's a big demand, and they're lacking supply right now. So guess what you do when you lack supply? You open borders so you can get more supply. They ain't fooling me, church. They ain't fooling me. Let's break this down. Uh, he's saying that the Church of Satan, I guess, needs children to sacrifice on their altar. And by Church of Satan, he means Hillary Clinton, of course. And they need more, so they're going to open the borders so that more kids come in over the border that they can sacrifice on altars. Does it get more fucking bizarre than this? Seriously. 
Does it get stranger than this? This kind of shit absolutely fascinates me. How did he get here? He was originally, like when he was a teenager at least, probably, more than likely, just a normal right-wing pastor, right? Just a standard run-of-the-mill Bible-thumping guy. How did we get to the point where he believes that Hillary Clinton is trying to open the borders so that more kids come in that she can sacrifice on a satanic altar as the high priestess of the Church of Satan? How did we get here? I love studying this stuff because it's so fucking baffling sometimes, figuring this shit out, watching these people convince their churches or congregants of all of this nonsense. It's hard to watch sometimes, but I will be damned if it's not fascinating to see the wheels turn in their head as they process this real crazy shit. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.